This is the book of Joe. My book. Let's go deep inside where the sea People stop reading the Bible. Let's open up the Exodus 28-11. They don't understand it. Glory to God. There are so many promises in this book. We got to get back to telling the truth. John 16, 33. I told you to sing so that you may have peace. Nah, I'm not a minister. <laughs> you can't hand down your faith. You got to get your own. Now people just need to see it from a different perspective. God really is good all the time. God says, if he loved me, keep my commandments. I first ask myself, who's speaking? Did you reach your and then everything sounds different from there. But God does not lie. I'm Joe, and this is what I found in the Bible. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. I am your host, Joanna Joe Smith, and it's been a while. Um... <laughs> Hi, so boom, check it. Last time I spoke with you all, it was back in June of 2021. Uh, Today is now January 15th, 2022, and it is a Saturday, so happy Sabbath. Um, You know, I'm gonna tell you guys, as God would have it, the last time I did a podcast with you in June, the Holy Spirit placed it on my heart to share with you that the leading words of the Bible are added portions to the text. In my opinion, the italics can definitely be omitted altogether, but at minimum, they should really cause us to double read any verse with them and to see if the intent changes without them. Now, I did do this um, study earlier today via YouTube so that there was a actual visual to it. If you would prefer to watch that instead of actually listening back to this, you can go to youtube.com slash the black love smiths um, and take a listen to that. Uh, you are also more than welcome to follow black love smiths on facebook.com by going to facebook.com slash black love smiths because as you know i am one half of a dual ministry with my husband and we are um doing our best to to honor whatever god asks us to do uh so definitely feel free to do that um But anywho, when I ended that podcast, I ended with the most important part of the Bible itself. I went through the Ten Commandments and I retracted the italicized words when I read them. And I've done so ever since so that we could hear them, um, how they were originally written. Because according to many Bible scholars, the King James Version is the closest to the original text. Um, So I did that. But interestingly enough, when today's message was placed on my spirit, I had simply forgot where I left off for my last podcast. I mean, mad stuff has been happening. Um, My husband put out uh, me and him put out our gospel EP. Uh, so that's on blacklovesmiths.com. We got pregnant by the grace of God. And so now we're currently awaiting the birth of our first daughter. I am currently eight months pregnant. And, uh, so if I get winded, that's what's going on with me. And, um, anyway, I went back to listen to the podcast yesterday only to find that God is so intentional. Y'all 
because where I left y'all in June is where we begin this third season of the book of Joe. So as always, I am super humbled to be of any use in his kingdom. And uh, for that reason, I want to give it up first before we even get started with this big 10 message. So if you would pray with me. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to come before your people, to share the message that you've placed on my heart. Father God, we thank you for the simplicity of your messages, the ability to take your word and digest it for authentic use in an approachable way. Father God, I thank you for what you've given me, the opportunity to be able to speak to your people and to speak to them on your behalf to help them glorify your name and to see how kind how generous and how loving and how benevolent you are and have always been lord god i pray that anybody who is turned off by the just a simple word bible study begin to rethink that and to blame it on uh what it what requires the blame but then take back the power of the Bible in their life and take back the opportunity to be able to get to know their heavenly father deeper and stronger and how much he loves them through his word that was left specifically for them to use and edify themselves and to be encouraged and to press forward. And I pray that I just renew or help renew and inspire someone to pick back up their book um, and, and get closer to you again, uh, despite all of the contradictions that the teachers and the, and the Pharisees of today and Sadducees of today may have convoluted for them, Lord God. I just pray that this is helpful above all things. I pray that your love and my love for them shines through. And I'm just so grateful to be of use. And all these things we ask in the name of your beautiful son, Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. All right. So for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, um, I just want you to know that this is the book of Joe and I'm Joe. This is also available on Spotify. So if you are on Anchor, just know that I'm on Spotify as well. Um, and let's see. I don't usually come and do anything with messages if I am not told to. That's my thing. So if I seem inconsistent, I'm really not. I just am working through life and waiting for God to give me another assignment. When he gives me the assignments, that's when you hear from me. I personally don't need to be um, the center of the attention. It is always about God and we are always here to lift him up. It ain't got nothing to do with me. All right. But I do uh, just want to let you guys know that, um, that these messages that I give, um, I feel extremely blessed to be able to do. And um, I know that Bible teachings have this really heavy connotation over them and people get super preachy listening to Bible studies um, and people start talking funny and it can all be a bit much and I get that. So I will not be talking funny today, y'all. Um, one of the reasons I share these studies is because God tells me to, but another is that I've been told that sharing my relationship with God has made his messages more approachable for some people. And if it be for only one, that means the most to me, especially because my relationship with God is so chill and authentic that I honestly feel like he's my homie. I feel like God wears sweats around me and I don't have a lot of fear that the people 
uh, or that some people, I should say, have with him and his word. I just feel very chill and relaxed about it. So I hope you feel that when I deliver what he has for us to you in uh, whatever seasons he asked me to come and speak. Because I personally would never want to be the thing that annoys me about attending a lot of churches. Um, if you know me, then you know I rep for the churchless believers. Those are the people of God who are out here doing the work and trying their hardest to obey the commandments without a church home influence. And my husband, he steps in for the unchurched believers um, who had to leave a religious organization in order to really feel uh, God in a true personal way. And through our ministry, we just hope to assure you that God is real, whether it be through our music, whether it be through these podcasts, whether it be through our pop-up worship services, um, all of those things that we do, we just do it in a chill way. We wear our sweats, we wear our tees, we wear our jeans, we wear our fitteds. We just... We just want to be who we are authentically and let you know that God be glorified in all that we do. We are but vessels and, um, you know, we sit down while we lift him up, basically. So it's not about us in any way. Um, But we want you to know that um, God is real. He's mad dope. And uh, like I said, we just want to inspire you to taste and see how good God is. Um, one last disclaimer before I start, I want to remind you guys that I am not a minister. I am not a titled member of a congregation, uh, not technically, and God and I are just really cool. And sometimes he asked me to speak. So I'm not really even interested in being called anything but Joe. Joe is fine. Um, you can call me honest. You can call me transparent. You can call me Yeshuan, uh, which is my word for being part of Yeshua. Um, I use Yeshua a lot instead of Jesus because me, I believe me and Jesus are really good friends and I call him what his mama calls him. Um, and I'll even take New Hebrew as my classification too if you just need like spiritual ID on me. But truthfully, y'all, bottom line, we're all just learning the spiritual law together. And for that reason, I just ask you guys for grace. I may say something today that needs to be further elaborated on or changed. And I hope that when that happens, you don't attach your faith to that, but like rather your compassion uh, for my humanity and the fact that I uh, humbly uh, will have to come back to you because I really just got here. Um, you know, so if the Holy Spirit comes to me and says, Joe, you, you kind of misled on that, or you didn't really receive that the way that I intended for you, you need to go back to the people and explain. I just want y'all to know, you know, I need a little grace in those moments. It's not new for the Holy Spirit to correct me. Um, doesn't happen as much, um, because I really do try to make sure I fully understand Uh, what the message is before I deliver. But if for any reason that I need to come back and check with you guys, I hope that we can be friends enough to learn together Um, because I just got here. But it's really lit where I'm at. It's dope. And so you're invited to come on over here too. God is here chilling with us. And I think it's really cool that we're able to do this this way in such an approachable and chill way without without all the, the fluff and dramatics, right? Okay, so now without further ado, today's message is on Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. 
um, the Holy Spirit, he stopped me during my homeschool teaching of ancient world history for my son, Legend. And I needed to elaborate in this lesson, the Ten Commandments for my child, because the Bible is a historical text, y'all. It's part of this historical curriculum to learn how nations developed from Mesopotamia into today. So we've had to address Ramses II, who is said to be one of the greatest pharaohs of Egypt, but who the Bible makes a villain of the Hebrew people. And um, it's not even the Bible. God had hardened his heart. So he was chosen to be the uh, the bane <laughs> of, of, of the Hebrew existence for a little while so that God can have his way with the people. So we had to talk about that mass exodus that happens uh, with the Hebrews once they leave Egypt in this lesson with, that I did with my son. And we had to talk about how that mass exodus crumpled the economy and um, and it really left Egypt without a strong ruler ever since. And then we got to talk about Judaism as the first monotheistic religion. It was the first religion recorded to serve one God. All right. And so I want to be clear about Judaism, which is which is the religious part of of of. uh, It's the religious part of the Hebrew spiritual law. And the reason why it came about is because there were some people who felt like the spiritual law should be the law of the land. And those are your Pharisees and your Sadducees who felt like we need to make the spiritual law a legal system to govern with. And so that's where it kind of got detached for God. That's where religion has been kind of leading us astray ever since. This spiritual law is not necessarily for the land or this world. Um, And (laughs) it's for us, the Hebrew, the people, But when you get into becoming a Jew or you get to becoming a Christian or you get to becoming a Muslim and all of those things, you have to be really careful about trying to make spiritual law the legal system to govern this world with. And we're going to get into why it doesn't apply to this world as much as it applies to the people of God in this world spiritually over the flesh. So we're going to get into all of that. But when I was going over the principles of the Hebrews, which um, that religious organization known as Judaism developed from, we had to talk about the Big Ten, right? So basically a spiritual almighty God drafts 10 laws that represent the character of Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim, El Shaddai, all right? And it's, and he separated those laws onto two tablets. The first tablet is for how God requests that um, we treat him. And then the second is on how we are to treat others and behave as Hebrews in society. And since they are still the most important text in the most important book to me, I'll read them really quickly from Exodus chapter 20, one through 17. And today we're focusing on the last one. We're focusing on verse 17, but it reads from one as this. And God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which get, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
That's one. Two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or likeness that in heaven above or that in earth beneath or that in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I, thy God, a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth of them that hate me and showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. I break these down a little bit in the last podcast I did. So you guys are more than welcome to have a listen to that um, to better understand what what he's saying here. But I, I love these commandments, man. He's so good, right? Here goes number three. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Four, my favorite. Here it goes. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day, the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that within thy gates. For six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore, which means for the purpose of, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So the only reason why he made a seventh day, the purpose of it was to bless it and hallow it. Number five, honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. <laughs> Six, thou shalt not kill. Seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Eight, thou shalt not steal. Nine, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And ten, the focus of today, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that thy neighbor's. So we're stopping there real quick to take a note. What two commandments did God feel the need to list specifics in almost equally in terms of the way and the fashion by which he he listed them? If you said commandments four and 10, then God bless you. You are correct, right? Both four and 10 finalized tablets one and two respectfully, and they both have something about them um, besides they both have something about them besides the mention of some of the same specifics that make them vital. Do you know what that is? It's the fact that you can break every commandment ab above them on the tablet when you allow yourself to carelessly break either of them. So if you break the fourth commandment, you have broken one through three. If you break the 10th, you are in grave danger and highly capable and almost likely to break five through nine. Why? Because the truth is you only lie on someone when you covet their innocence. You only steal when you covet what isn't yours. You only commit adultery when you lustfully covet your neighbor's wife or husband. So let me take a second to explain to the feminist movement that the Bible is a manual 
written by men for men so men could lead their lead their homes properly under God. Men of God are to administer it to their flock and are only really successful doing this when the women set the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to edify and reprove those men and their understanding of the text. Um, this is why the Bible lacks a lot of gray area in many ways, since men are held accountable directly the manual is addressing them most often. They didn't get kicked out of the, the garden when Eve ate the apple, y'all. It was when Adam ate it that they were banished. So I got to digress a little more actually even there because I want to give y'all something that God gave me about three Sabbaths back. All right. God wants you to know that we are in our third attempt at an eternal covenant with him as Hebrews. The first covenant he made with Abraham all right, and it was to protect the Jews, to make Abraham the father to a nation as plentiful as the stars, and to give us the promised land. The second time that we entered into a covenant with God, it was with Moses when these 10 commandments were struck up. So for this one, God, again, he promised us our lands and great things, but in return for a more specific code of ethics amongst us is the is what he uh he asked for. And each time he also requested that his commands be kept as part of the deal. But both times we broke our, our promise and we continue to break our promise. Why? Well, it's because God realizes that the sin is in the skin. I'm sorry, y'all, if you guys hear background noise, I do my best to like narrow it out, but it just, it just keeps, I don't know, cars be going by child. It is what it is. Let's keep getting into this though. Um, I say that God realizes that the sin is in the skin. So that's what he told me a few weeks ago. He was like, Joe, the skin embodies the sin. So this is why my final covenant with this world transcends the skin. All right. So we no longer get the chance to have the promised land on earth, but rather, rather a chance at eternal life that is outside of skin. It's fleshless, right? Which means that it's spiritual, all right? How did God start this process? Well, he came and he got into the skin himself and then he prevailed over it. And while the enemy would have loved nothing more than to have Yeshua's skin buried in the soil of this world, God was already ahead of him. So he resurrected Yeshua. All right. He was never buried. They went into the tomb and your boy was not there. All right. So perfect skin never combines with this world. But I'm going to talk to y'all about the blood because the blood hit the ground. The tears hit the ground. Oh, when, when John the Baptist uh, uh, died, those tears fell into the soil from Yeshua. And the soil that we're fashioned from after Yeshua is covered by the blood. And the, uh, excuse me, and the love of the king that he has for us. And it's activated by our belief that that love and that his blood and covering is there. All right. So this was God's way of breaking that skin barrier that made Adam hard to see in the garden due to the, you know, sin. Sin that even sent chills through Adam's body. All right. That Adam, where are you? That was real to a degree. You know, 
God knew where he was, but he had known he couldn't really get with him because he can't deal with this, the sin that Adam had c- committed, right? So the extra layer of skin that was put on Adam is also symbolic, right? Because somebody had to pay the price for Adam's disobedience. So somebody gave their skin up for the sin that transferred this um, world that God created into the hands of the enemy. And it became this world as we know it, all right? So just like in the beginning, the enemy used a wanting to barter something that was priceless and given to us divinely, righteously. And he got it for the low low, right? The devil caught one of the biggest steals in Eden that day. But I'm gonna come back to that. Um, Just know that God cannot deal in sin without destroying it because of his fullness, because of his perfection. But he's such a good God that he would not forsake us. And he did not. And you got to love him for that. All right. Because God desires to have all come unto him. And we're going to get into that too. So he has devised the utmost masterful plan on all of our behalf, where the flesh can reap the wages of its sin, but the soul can have eternity. So just so you know, uh, that this battle turned spiritual when Yeshua took the skin off his back to clothe us while we were in our Edens, while we were sinning, all right? That double layer of skin, that extra layer of skin, that is the skin of Yeshua that he took off for us so that we can be covered like Adam and Eve were covered and not be ashamed or hide from God in our sin, right? Okay, so back to the audience of the Bible, right? Because I I had to digress a little bit, but I'm going to come back to this now. So the audience of the Bible is mostly men. And basically it's because there's a lot of studies that speak to how men grasp direct speech and logic um, better than they do any florid or emotional dialogue, right? So the Bible being a legal document a legal historical document has that black and white vibe to it that God intended to feel a little masculine. Um, But God is not interested in making women small ladies. Okay. Just because he uses man a lot. It's not that he's, he's trying to diminish you. Okay. So you don't have to reverse the roles on the Bible. Every time there's a statement made to the men, it's okay. There's plenty in here with us in mind, ladies, and it's loving. All right. And I had to say that to free whichever woman may roll her eyes when the Bible comes out because she feels like it's sexist or against her for some reason. Okay. All right. So let me get back to what I was saying, uh, which is really about breaking uh, commandments five through nine when we break 10. All right. So when you covet your neighbor's wife, that's where the adultery seed is planted. All right. And what would make a God fearing individual kill? Not would make it not what would make an evil person kill, because God is not talking to evil people um, when we're talking in the Bible. All right. We're not talking about possessed souls or wicked beings because they don't need a reason to kill. They like killing. All right. And this is not their book. But what makes a person who is generally good uh, get so dark that they would kill is usually coveting something. In fact, mostly coveting, all right? And because you covet, you break commandment five as well. You become somebody your mama and your dad didn't even raise. 
and therefore you dishonor then. All right, you leave the land lot that God gave you, your grounding, your footing, your home. All right, or you even get removed from it because you think there's a better grass on somebody else's yard. All right, and coveting does this to us and it does it easily. But what is coveting? All right, let's talk about it. It's defined in Webster as the yearn to possess or have something. It's akin to the word envy, which is a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. Now, I don't believe in luck, so I'm just going to switch that and say blessings. Someone else's possessions, qualities, or blessings. All right? So the Holy Spirit put it on my heart to warn y'all about coveting today, and specifically coveting the things of this world. All right. The wherefore in commandment four enforces the concept that the seventh day was made specifically as a blessing and for no other reason but to bless you. And we need that blessing weekly, y'all. So from Friday at sundown to Saturday evening, we are to remember that that is the Sabbath. Yet people don't keep the Sabbath holy because it falls on the world's favorite times to sin from Friday night into Saturday, right? All the clubs are open, bars, fake friend events, and all of that where you get to show off a little bit. You're off of work, so you don't so you got all that idle time that you can enjoy all your little dirty little pleasures of this world. You can gossip, you can watch your TV where people's lives fall apart and you know all of that good stuff. And you could do it without being interrupted. All that good bad stuff, I should say. I mean, and we've all been there, right? Um, but the Sabbath is on the seventh day and that can be inconvenient when your flesh is weak and when you're a part of this world and when you enjoy what this world has to offer, despite the fact that it is the fourth commandment. And if you break it, you break one through three as well. All right. But we know why we do it. We do it because we covet fun time. Fun. Fun is defined as enjoyment amusement or lighthearted pleasure. Enjoyment not only is defined as taking pleasure in something, but it's secondarily defined as the action of possessing and benefiting from something. So that's the very appeasement of the word covet, which is to yearn to possess or have something. All right. If covet is to yearn to possess or have something and enjoyment is the action of possessing and benefiting from something, then enjoyment is the very way that you appease your coveting. You see? All right. So the way the enemy gets you to break the commandments hasn't changed since the garden. He does this by dangling the things you covet under your nose, calling it pleasure and fun for your enjoyment. Now, the world is chock full of pleasures for your enjoyment for this very reason. Because Adam turned the world over when he chose Eve over God and ate the apple. All right. There's plenty of enjoyment now for you. Things that you can choose to do. All right. Despite keep your relationship and covenant with God. So when we check John chapter 12, verse 31, to see who this generous giver of fun is, um, we realize that. it's the fun it's the fun that results in the broken commandments but I want to start from like verse 28 though because Jesus is finna die 
at this part and he announces that his time has come matter of fact let, let's get you there so we can understand verse 31 so let me give you the setting all right because y'all know i like to set things up according to like i, I read it like a play or, or a script here so the setting is that yeshua raises a very dead lazarus and the people are in like awe of him right now. They are following him more than ever. And it's like the levy broke on believers of this time. And they're like rushing in to follow Yeshua, right? So the Pharisees, AKA the Jews of the time, and remember, this is not to be confused with all the Hebrews who were not indoctrinated by Torah school, all right? This is not representative of the Hebrew people because the Jews of the time were interested in governing using God's law. So they were different than the Hebrew, okay? Jesus had a lot of beef with the Jews, all right? So that's why we need to make sure that that's clear. He didn't have a lot of beef with the Hebrews. He had a lot of beef with the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were manipulating God's law into this world that we're gonna find out who is running it, all right? So these Jews, they had some real covet in them. All right, we see in chapter 12, verse 19, they were so salty about not being able to stop Yeshua as planned that they, who are the keepers of the spiritual law, right, in the land, were seeking to kill him. You see that? Simply by coveting the power that Yeshua has displayed over the people, they wanted it so badly that they were ready to off him. All right, it reads from 19, like this, the Pharisees there said amongst themselves, perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. Perceive ye is like saying, look y'all, cause ye means y'all, all right? So it says, perceive ye, look y'all, how y'all, ye, prevail nothing, how you've accomplished nothing. Behold, look again. The whole world is gone after him, all right? Now, they tried to say that the uh, is in this, this verse really means has, as if to say the world has started to follow him. But I'm gonna go ahead and keep the Bible the way it is. I believe it's complete without further, further translation or added italics or anything like that. And I say that even though there are some really dope additional readings that you all might wanna look into, like the Apocrypha and things like that, just make sure you know your Bible first so that you can check in with the Holy Spirit as you read those. Um, I like this passage the way it is because when it says right now, the world is gone after him, it's prophetic and it's powerful. So therefore, I think it's fine the way that it is to me because after him, after Yeshua, this world is gone. It's a wrap. And Revelations makes that clear. It's a spoiler alert, y'all. God wins in the end, right? But let me get to what I wanna leave y'all with because I don't wanna keep y'all too, too much longer. The book of John continues uh, after making note of the Pharisees, being covetous, talking about our king. Uh, it goes on uh, from verse 20 saying, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee and desired him. Now, when it says desired him, they're not talking about anything fresh or anything like that. Desire simply means wanted him. They wanted to talk to him. 
all right, saying sir, which I think is interesting because for uh, these Greeks to be calling a Galilean man, sir, they're giving a lot of respect to him, which is an indication that they were serious when they approached him. All right. So you don't want to miss that. All right. So they came up to him saying, sir, we would see Jesus. All right. And Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. So they came with such seriousness that Philip was like, okay, let me go tell Andrew. Andrew and I will go tell Jesus together because they seem like they mean business, right? So then Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come, come that the son of man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So what is he saying here? He's saying, unless the corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it'll live by itself alone. But if it does die, it will have the company of the many things that it helped to grow. And that's what God wants from the death of his son. To put a corn of his wheat into the soil, the spiritual soil, not the actual land soil, and let it die and bring forth a lot of fruit. Then he says, he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Please pay attention to the way Yeshua is speaking of this world. This world is the name of the place we currently dwell in. This world is the land of abundant fun and enjoyment, okay? This continues and it says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant be. If any man serve me, him will father honor. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? So he's saying here, don't take your eye off me in this moment. Watch what I do because I'm concerned. But when I'm concerned, I still have to see this thing through. All right. And he continues and he says, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause, I came unto this hour. That's what he says. And he's letting them know that there's no other way. He's like, I'm not backing down. This is the reason that I'm here. I'm not going to run out the back door. All right. It's like, you know, I can, I could totally see Philip and Andrew knowing the intent of these Greeks, kind of feeling a little nervous, feeling like they want to protect the king, feeling like, you know, Jesus, nothing good is going to come out of you leaving this place with these men. But Jesus kind of ignores their feelings. All right. He ignores how y'all feeling. Don't worry about this. I know what I came to do. And he almost turns all his attention off of them to his heavenly father in heaven, totally ignoring how they feel. And he says, God, do your thing. All right. Which biblically is in verse 28 as father, glorify thy name. Do your thing. And I want y'all to know that this is what we're to say when a coveter seeks to steal, kill, or bear false witness against us. This is the answer to that question. What do we say when our soul is troubled, y'all? We say, Father, glorify thy name. All right? 
Now that's a whole study and a sermon for another day, but I just want y'all to know that that is the way you react when somebody is trying to express how they covet the things that God has blessed you with. All right, but let's keep going because we need to know who the fun guy is, right? So 28 continues. Then came there a voice from heaven. I have both glorified and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard said it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Okay, so they're saying that an angel spoke to Jesus. But Jesus said, Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. So no, he's not speaking to me, y'all. He's talking to y'all, right? And now we finally get to 31. He's explaining this voice came to y'all so that y'all can understand what verse 31 is saying. He's saying y'all need to know that now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all unto me. Okay, so this is Jesus's big reveal. I came so that I could offer myself as a pure sacrifice to this world in order to cast out the enemy who is the prince of this world. And if Yeshua is exalted in this world, this wicked world, he will bring everyone, it says all unto him. This is what the whosoever is about when we read John 3, 16, all right? You see, this world supplies so much fun, but when whosoever believeth unto him will have everlasting life. This is because the, the, um, the whole purpose, the whole purpose was so that this world would, would <laughs> be overcome by, by Yeshua. All right. So this place of fun is supplied with so much fun because the prince of it seeks to play on the sin that's in your skin because of Adam and Eve. The yearning for something that covetous nature is passed down. It's almost like it's so natural. And the evil one loves to exploit that covetous nature. The evil one understands you want to escape from your house, right? You want to cut loose on your Sabbath day off, right? So there's deals and there's thrills on Sabbath for us all to enjoy. You can go to the mall. You can uh, go to the grocery store at the restaurants with that cutie you waited all week to see during a time that God waited all week to spend time with you. You get it? All of that is what he's able to supply to keep you distracted so that you'll forget that the Sabbath is the seventh day. There's even now a metaverse to help you escape the plague that was sent to keep you out of this world and in your house, in your Goshen with your family, right? To keep you in your house in the midst of pestilence with blood on the door to spare you while death moves over because meta in Hebrew means death. Verse is equivalent to a sentence, right? Or a collection of sentences, um, some of which can be incomplete when you have a verse. 
or it could also be verse like an artificial place like the universe right uh so you can bring those death sentences and false realities into your home and call the lie that it is fun while you participate right now you can even have like the whole world um, in your house where you can explore whatever you like and you can do all of this for what? For your fun, for pleasure, for enjoyment. And it caters to the fact that you covet a different truth, right? From the authentic one. And regardless, you do this regardless of the fact that the that it's only the truth the real truth that sets us free. So, you know, we got to ask ourselves, why is this even happening? Right? And it's happening because the enemy knows you covet to possess the pleasures of your heart over appeasing God. He learned this by getting Adam and Eve to get that apple bit. All right. So because you are fed your desires in this world more than who desires you, this is why your heart in the word of God is, is called deceitful. He says it in Jeremiah 17, 9. He says the heart deceitful above all and desperately wicked who can know it. I, the Lord, search the heart, try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So the enemy wants to see you break covenant again. Because in many languages, try is try and like test and ask are all the same word. So when God says, I try the reins, he is saying, I test the restraints that you put on your heart to see, right? If you got the discipline, right? God's trying to see whose heart is not the devil's prey for the oldest trick he's, he's ever pulled. He's been pulling this trick for so long. Then he says, I test it so that I give, which to God is love so that I love, right? Every man according to his ways, according to what he produces from his actions. All right. That's what it's about. So nobody on earth understands the Bible more than the devil. He knows what it will take to get you into that courtroom with the Holy Spirit on judgment day, who is here only to collect your testimony as evidence on your behalf. He wants the, the enemy wants the, the Holy Spirit to have nothing good to say about you. And I want you to understand that salvation is one thing, all right? It says, whosoever believeth on Yeshua will have everlasting life. But that doesn't mean you inherit heaven with the righteous simply because you were saved. And I wish preachers would stop saying that after altar call. Oh, thank the Lord God, Jodan came and got saved. She's going to heaven. She may not go to heaven. I'm going, but she may not go to heaven, all right? Because the devils of this world believe God, uh, believe God loved it enough to give his son too. That's why they attack us. And you know what? I'll get into that another day as well because I got to keep on task. But all right, pay attention to that. All right. They know and a lot of them live forever just as well. Okay. But anyway, today, this is about your every heart's desire, y'all. This is about loving to please God more than loving your own pleasures and the idea of fun. Because I'll be honest with you, when you covet, you lack faith. 
You don't believe that God can bring you a forever that's better than your circumstances right now. So you sin. You take your now moments and you try to remedy them yourself. You you hit the bar and you drink today away, right? You sleep with that woman because you don't believe your God knows your sexual desires enough to teach your own wife to please you. Or that what pleases your God-given wife may be more pleasurable for you than what you covet from the porn you should have never even watched, right? You want that woman's position at church, sis, I see you, right? And so you are inappropriately brown-nosing with the pastor, all right? Some of y'all are gonna join the metaverse because you don't believe the home God keeps over your head day in and day out is enough and all you really need right now, right? Some of y'all hoard your possessions because you don't believe there's enough treasure to go around. You want more because you don't have the faith in the abundance that's promised to you and that is actually on its way. And I'm telling you, if you fix it with the pleasures of this world, you will enjoy your life in this world. Yes, you will. Oh, you're going to have a lot of fun. You got, you're going to enjoy it. But please remember, verse 25 says, He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. All right. It is God who controls forever. Everything here in this world is temporary. And if you can control yourself, then you can have all the promises of God that are indeed on the way for you. Now, quick note before I go. I want you guys to know that there are seven archangels. You can look them up. There are also seven archdemons because everything that God has, the enemy has recruited a counterfeit for. And I say recruit specifically because some people believe that the devil is a creator and he is not. That is what he covets from God. All right. He is not able to create or reproduce, but he can recruit the masterpieces of God for his use and he has done so since day one all right and i want y'all to know that four of those major archdemons they pray specifically on what you covet they are assigned for your greed your lust your envy your jealousy and they will seek it out they will expose it and they'll toy with it under the name of pleasure and enjoyment and they will exploit you until they rob you of your promises and leave you outside this covenant due to your broken commandments all right so today i had to warn you all right i just had to warn you and say let the lord be your shepherd this way you shall not want this way you won't covet all right. Psalms 37 verse four says, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And you do want what the, what God has for you. You want what Jehovah gives you. Trust me, covet that because it lasts longer. All right. So thank all of you guys for tuning in and helping me be obedient to my heavenly father and divine creator. I pray that he that hath an ear consider this message and resist the devil so that he can flee from you. I'm Joanna Jo Smith. I'm one half of the Black Love Smiths. And this is what I found in the Bible this week. I love y'all, but God loves y'all so much more than me. So keep his commandments and I'll see y'all next time. Bye-bye. 
The Book of Joe is but a portion of a family ministry called the Black Love Smiths. To follow the Black Love Smiths, you can do so at Black Love Smiths on Instagram or Facebook. To get into contact with Joe, please email bookofjoe at gmail.com. God bless you.